You should try the new Taco Bell Reaper fries. What? It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's superhero slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's superhero slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this week, we're packing our bags for San Diego Comic-Con. Whoop, whoop. That, that's a literal thing. I'm literally packing my suitcase upstairs. <laughs> uh, Warner Brothers announces HBO Max streaming service. To the max, 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 max. Yeah, they only had one X on here, and I'm really disappointed. Like, yeah, whatever. Whenever I hear the word Max for branding purposes, I always give it that kind of like 90s grunge Max feel to it. I don't know if anybody else out there Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Zack Snyder is making a Norse anime on Netflix. Whoa, that that sounds like somebody's like spinning a, bing, a bingo a, a bingo <laughs> wheel, if you will. Like, where's this land? Yeah, exactly. They threw darts at things that are working right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and more. And more. That's right. We are just mere days away from San Diego Comic-Con. It's going to be the first time ever where your two co-hosts are going to be there in person in the flesh, which makes it even more exciting because on next week's show, we will be doing our annual Comic-Con Mm wrap-up, the biggest day of the year when it comes to news, I would say. Uh, There's going to be lots of exclusives, lots of experiences we're going to chat about, so you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed and more importantly, we're going to be recording that episode in person. We're not going to be connected via ones and zeros for that episode. So I'll be looking at Chris right in his face when he tells me I'm wrong about something. So we'll oh, see how God, that changes the see how that changes the dynamic of well, the show. Well, <laughs> someone did bring up this weekend. Um, we did do one show together, and that was my wedding show. Y- yeah, but that, that was, was a very awkward roundtable thing. So I don't consider that a real show. I don't consider it awkward at all, Chris. I consider it a, a supreme episode that everyone should go back and listen to. But it's not—it's almost like not canon to the superhero slate, slate, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a different format. We were in a kitchen, uh, so this will be in a more studio-esque environment. Yeah. Sticking to the sticking to the format of the show, I'm looking very looking very much forward to it. Yes, I've got to remember to pack my microphone. That's on my to-do list as soon as we yeah. get done today. Yeah, Put it I, I in don't. The case. I don't want to stress Chris out too much since he edits these shows, but uh, I think it might be fun to, to pick up some little audio snippets from the convention center. Oh, God. So, no, I'm kidding. Um, you're, you're literally reading my mind. We were talking about <laughs> giving stuff out at Comic-Con. So if you're at San Diego and you listen, find us. We're going to give some stuff out. I'm thinking about, like, if I could get, you know, oh, hey, look, it's Kevin Feige walking down the hallway. Hey, <laughs> tell everyone they should listen to Superheroes. Yeah, it's, like, just, it's just that easy. He's yeah. just walking around just like that. Uh, but yeah, I would love to get like some, uh, some, uh, atmosphere of the convention and maybe we can kind of plug that in. Uh, Chris is the one that edits the show, so I'm putting this all in his arms. I can run around all day with a microphone and record, uh, the bathrooms if I wanted to, but it's up That's to Chris weird. if he wants to slice it in. Plus he's going to be away. He's going to be, he's going to be, uh, editing, editing this, uh, from, uh, from my apartment. So he's going to be out of his element, if you will. Yeah. So I'm going to be taxing your, uh, your co-host, uh, your favorite co-host, I would assume, since I'm just a rambling man. <laughs> so we'll see how, how Chris can hold up well, to all the stress that I put him under. Well, that's fine. As long as Mike, I will, I will tax ask you then in that regard to help me with our social media stuff because i normally do that for a job every day so i don't think about it on my personal level so if you can remember to post some pictures and stuff to our instagram story i think uh i think that might add a little to it if you will 
I'll be all over it. That means you got to make sure you follow Chris. You got to follow me and follow the Superhero Slay account on Instagram and Twitter. We'll be out there on the floor. I'm probably going to take a ton of pictures of the Hot Toys Sideshow Collectibles booth because that is my favorite booth by far. You know, you're not really getting any sort of celebrity experiences there necessarily, but man, it's just so cool seeing these things like come to life in three dimensions. These like master sculptors kind of like turning these things that we love from movies and cartoons into like real life physics physical things. So I'm I'm usually swarming all over that booth like every day of the convention. So you'll definitely get some pictures from that for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, me and me and Chris have been game planning like before we start recording every episode. <laughs> uh, like we're we're probably already like 20 minutes into this uh, Skype conversation right now. But just before we started recording, Chris drops like some sort of new Taco Bell item. Oh on yeah! Me. Like the, just before we start sp- speaking the intro, and I was like, "You gotta tell me about this." Well, <laughs> because if you don't know by now, the only thing that we talked about more than superhero stuff is food. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Taco Bell, I found it this week. I went I went there for lunch one day. I was running a little late for work, and uh, I didn't take anything with me. So I was like, I want Taco Bell. It's quick, it's easy. They have what's called uh, Reaper fries, Ooh, Reaper a fries. Reaper steak burrito. What? So Re- are you familiar with Carolina Reaper peppers? Oh, yeah. They're really hot. Yeah. So they've made the sauce uh, out of Carolina Reaper peppers. Ooh. It's kind of like a nice bright orange um, buffalo-looking color. Mm-hmm. And they have it where they, they drizzle it on the fries, whatever. But now they have a burrito where they take these fries with this sauce, mix it with steak, a little bit of sour cream, and I think some pico de gallo, and they put it in a burrito, and you just eat this thing. Oh. It's so spicy in the best way possible. That is so foreshadowing because, Chris, I don't know if you're familiar with this. I'm sure they're on menus around the country, but San Diego, the city that we're going to, pioneered a burrito a while ago called the California Burrito, which includes fries inside of the burrito so it's almost like taco bell is taking cues so yeah we got burritos out here that they shove french fries into called the california burrito Uh, i believe it was pioneered in san diego but i'm sure somebody could correct me if i'm wrong so man there's so much synergy going on right now with food and last year at comic-con it was um it was some sort of anniversary for um, oh, what's the movie with uh, Stallone? He goes, uh, he's like frozen, like Austin Powers, and goes to oh, the future. Oh, uh, Demolition Man. Yeah, Demolition Man. Uh, it was like an anniversary for that movie, and they had Taco Bell had taken over, you know, all of the all of the restaurants in the future. So they had like this fine dining pop-up Taco Bell experience at Comic-Con last year where they like debuted like these Taco Bell french fries also. So uh, that was that that those are just the crazy things that happen at the convention. So our our hope is to bring those things to the podcast Man. next week. We're going to be good, getting in all the nooks and crannies. Uh, if you watch The Good Place out there on NBC, there's a joke in The Good Place called the Interdimensional House of Pancakes, and they're bringing that to Comic-Con. I don't no. know exactly how they're pulling that off, but there's there's going to be a pop-up pancake place, which I think is just hilarious. Wow. I mean, I, I've, I'm, I've always heard of pop-up things. I've never really experienced a uh, pop-up thing. Could- Chris, you're uh, you're you're in for it for sure. I'm very excited for these these uh, solo unique experiences, a hundred percent. Because it sounds like we're probably going to the biggest convention in the world, uh, yes. biggest comic con in the world. Because I literally just went to the smallest comic con in the world. <laughs> I felt yesterday. I felt the segue. I felt the segue coming. You did well. <laughs> you had you had several things because I went um to uh, Frankfurt Comic Con, and if you're mm-hmm. not familiar, the capital of Kentucky is actually Frankfurt. Not, not any of the bigger cities okay. here. 
Um, <laughs> one of my favorite jokes is to get people like, how do you pronounce the capital of Kentucky, Louisville or Louisville? And they're like, Louisville. I'm like, no, it's Frankfurt. So that tells you how much people aren't really paying attention. Uh, but so we went there, so a 45-minute drive from my house. Uh, my buddy um, Jeremy rode with me down there. He goes to the C2E2 with me. Uh, mm-hmm. The Marvel uh, Comics president from the 80s and the writer, editor-in-chief, uh, Jim Shooter, was there. He wrote the original Secret Wars series in the 80s. Oh, great. Um, which has you know introduces the Venom symbiote for Spider-Man. Like, it's a, it's a huge series. So we got to get some things from him. But it's literally... A hotel, small hotel convention center, like maybe three rows of stuff wide, um, maybe fifty foot long. It's very, very small. Um, I, I like kind of likened it to someone who was like going to sell like their own yard sale stuff at a comic con. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there was like one back wall full of comics. But um, I did end up buying a, I think it's a thirty-two or forty-eight ounce mug with a watercolor of the Avengers on it. It's like it's really cool looking. Uh, but it's literally the small shows. Um, very affordable. I met up with my friend, uh, who's I think he's he's been on the show even uh, uh, listening to the show, Jason Ambrositis. He was down there. Uh, he we, we talked a bunch of movies and stuff and comics the whole time because once we got through in like five minutes, I'm like, there's nothing else to do here. <laughs> uh, so we we talked and uh, you know he was telling me about he went to Comic Con San Diego in 2008 uh, as mm-hmm. a volunteer for Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. So uh, he had that experience. Um, he's a huge Hot Toys person, huge. So we're gonna have to send him those photos, Mike, that you of the things you see because he loves buying those. Oh, great. Um, and, you know, I just had I had a good time with the people. And hopefully, you know, by supporting local, they can grow and, and get larger over the next few years. But I tell you, I didn't think it would be that small. It was the smallest thing I've ever been to. <laughs> Smaller than the one in Indianapolis I talked about last week. So I am very much looking forward to the opposite in just a few days. Oh, man, this juxtaposition is going to be great. <laughs> I know. Um, and, 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 and so on and so forth. But um, you... You were talking about going to the movies this weekend while I was out. I was like, why is Mike asking about popcorn? Or you were saying something <laughs> about the movie theater the other day. And I'm like, is he at the theater? Or is he just thinking about the theater? Because I do that quite a bit. No, on the previous podcast, you recommended the peach cobbler mix at the Coke Freestyle oh, yeah. Machines. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I tried it out, and it was pretty good. I didn't realize that it was something that you had to make. Uh, I thought it was something that came uh, prearranged, which it does if you want the full sugared version. But I wanted right, like yeah. the, the diet version, so I had to go concoct it myself. But it was pretty delicious. Uh, Sprite Zero Peach and then uh, Diet Coke Vanilla is what we went with, but that was pretty good. Uh, I hopped on uh, the new Sour Patch train of now they have Sour Patch Strawberry, which I'm guessing they found out from their sales reports that the entire universe loves Sour Patch Watermelon, which is my favorite candy at the movie theater. So they started to move on to other fruits, which is really starting to overshower the Sour Patch kids themselves. Uh, but the strawberry, uh, sad to report, not as good as the watermelon. So I'm going to be sticking with the watermelon. But uh, this is just a tangent that we often go on on the show when it comes to snacks. But more importantly, mm. I watched. Uh, I, w- I just watched two things this weekend, tangentially and sometimes directly related to the things we talk about on this podcast. The, the first one, The Chef Show, which is on Netflix right now. It's John Favreau. If you haven't caught his movie Chef that came out a couple years ago, I believe it's also streaming on Netflix. If not, it's somewhere else streaming. It's just a little movie he kind of made in between these giant movies he's been working on, like Lion King, Jungle Book, all these superhero films. Um, But uh, it's just more of a reality documentary series where he takes 
um, one of his chef friends with him just around the country visiting restaurants, like cooking dishes with celebrities. And I highly recommend, even if it's not your thing, at the very least, watch episode two because he goes to Atlanta and he sits down at a table at a restaurant in Atlanta with the Russo brothers, Kevin Feige, Robert Downey Jr., and Tom Holland. It was just like amazing to just watch all of these people sit down try all of this different food, kind of just like uh, shooting the shit. They were talking to Tom Holland about how his first audition was, about the backflips he was doing, and just Robert Downey Jr. interjecting some sass. And uh, it was really great. It was like extremely star-studded. I wasn't expecting to see this whole table like full. Of, and I was just trying to imagine like the waiters like serving like Robert Downey Jr. like leaning down and asking him what type of water he wanted. I was like, oh man, I'd love just to be that waiter right now. So uh, it's really great to hear their conversations. And uh, I picked up a little bit of history from that episode where Feige was saying um, he started working at Marvel back in 2000. So eight years before the first Iron Man movie came out. Mm-hmm. And he gave some perspective saying between 2000 and 2008 uh even all the way back then people were asking him oh when do you think this superhero fad is going to be over when do you think people are going to stop making these superhero movies so when, when 2000 you know eight came around and they were releasing iron man he was just like all right we got like one chance here if we can if we can make this film really good maybe we'll be able to make one more and kind of then this fad will die out like little did he know like that one little movie he thought that barely they'd get a whole another one launched this entire like stratospheric like pop culture phenomenon which it just made our show even possible so it's just cool so go check out the chef show john favreau the basically director of iron man and the catalyst for a lot of stuff we talk about here is just talking about food and all the food looks amazing and delicious and he comes across other celebrities too because he's a rich and famous and a director so yeah go check out the chef well, show big uh recommend there john favreau's got the the holy trinity at disney over there he's worked in lion king and um what was the other one he did there the uh, jungle book jungle uh, book he's he, the mandalorian at star mm-hmm. wars and iron man playing happy hogan in in marvel so he, that guy is is he's made he's disney's golden boy right now oh yeah he can do whatever he wants which mm-hmm. is proof in this show because they it's a it's edited pretty loose so in the first couple episodes he's kind of talking like oh yeah we didn't we don't really know what this show is for we're just kind of filming it and see what happens so it's just kind of like he's so rich that he can just make a show on a whim even if it doesn't get picked up by anybody so go check it out it's really fun and i, I love food shows in general but the second one stuber which we talked about maybe a couple weeks ago because you had a chance to see an advanced screening of it uh stars uh dave batista our one and only Drax, which we love very, very much, and uh, Kumail Nanjiani, which I love, and he is rumored to be in The Eternals uh, coming out soon for Marvel. So you, you got some synergy going on in this film uh, for sure. But I tried to ask Chris on the show a couple weeks ago if he recommended it, but I didn't want to know. And then there was kind of like this weird ambiguity whether it was going to be good. So uh, I went out and caught it. So uh, just real quick, uh, Chris, now you can finally tell me what you thought about it. Oh, God, it's the worst movie I've seen this year. <clears throat> oh, wow, okay. <laughs> uh, it is not good at all. The trailers don't sell it. The movie does not work on any level. Uh, it's not even funny. I just, I can't, I just say, I wish I could have told Mike to save his money, but, I mean, it sounds like he doesn't feel nearly as strongly as I do about it. Like, I even didn't pay for it, and I was like, God, this was awful. So, uh, that's really how I feel about it. Mike, what do you think? Um, I 
you know, not as extreme, but also uh, I, I didn't have the best time, unfortunately, because I loved, you know, everything that was going into it. Uh, I won't spoil anything, uh, but the movie has a very interesting and I think clever premise of uh, Dave Batista uh, uh, being temporarily uh, um, seeing impaired. So he has to rely on this Uber driver to kind of get through this like a uh, police case. I thought that was a very solid premise, d- something that you could build a movie on and be really funny, but they just pile on all of this extra complexity that does not need to be in this comedy film so i don't know if studio notes got in there or just the writer just got a little too excited it just got so messy to where when me and my wife were driving home from the film like every like two minutes we would think of something else like why was that in the movie that didn't that didn't need to be there It was just so frustrating because it just feels like if you just got in there and stripped all of this away maybe well, there could have been a chance for it to shine the comedy could have been there without the the inciting incident that you talk about where what makes him seen impaired mm-hmm. that movie could have been that much better without that little twist i guess mm-hmm. um or you know if they would have stayed away from the police procedural portion of it maybe a little more like they it could have been so much funnier and they just dropped the ball all throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of the characters i'm like why are you here what is your purpose? <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, we this character doesn't need a daughter. And then, of yeah. course, the most typical thing happens at the end of the movie. So yeah. uh, I still love Kumail. We still love Dave Batista, But uh, this one just check it out it's it'll probably come to streaming you know it's not it's not the worst time chris you seem to have a very different opinion but i think if you just kind of put this on in the background maybe while you're just like doing the dishes or something i i think it'll be just fine I, I, if i would have laughed i would have not felt that way but i didn't laugh at any of it and that's that's the cardinal sin in this comedy movie my <laughs> it's like well, I, it's, it's, I, 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 I'm glad at least I had my Sour Patch yeah. and my uh, my drink there. We had a big bucket of popcorn, so we had other things to entertain us. Oh, Jesus, no. Yeah, I, I didn't get any of that. So that was the one – so they overbooked the theater, so they were turning people away at the door. We got in. We, we got two seats together, luckily. But the, the food line, it was 45 minutes to get anything through the concessions that night. Wow. So Oof. it was a horrible experience, but I think compounded with that as well. But I that's mean, there okay. Was, there were some okay. people in my theater that were ripping and roaring and laughing a lot. So uh, I think this this movie kind of might be over over the map. But uh, I think we've talked about Stuber way too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Uh, we are going to include a small, I guess, review slash spoiler thing for Stranger Things season three at the end of the show. Yeah. Because Mike wants to talk about it, and yeah, he really uh, needs my, to talk about it. Uh, my my normal uh, friendship circle core has not gotten around to season three. Or they haven't finished it, or maybe they don't watch it anymore. So I was like, I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody about this. So normally we don't usually talk about Stranger Things on the show, but we want to talk about it. It's only eight episodes, so there's a good chance a lot of people have finished it already. So we decided to tack it on to the end of the show. Uh, we'll see how long it yep. runs, uh, but I want to know what Chris thinks. I want to I want to know yeah. what, it, what it's like being in his brain watching Stranger Things, but uh, stay tuned at the very end of the show for that. Yeah, I don't even have Netflix and I watch it. What's their excuse? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we'll do that. Uh, again, if you haven't heard us talk about it literally on every episode for the past month, San Diego Comic Con <laughs> is this week, July 18th through the 21st. I think it's like maybe it's, 17th through the 21st, maybe. And I, I know what's hilarious is they've already announced the dates for next year's Comic Con, so if anybody had any thoughts that maybe they would stop on the 50th anniversary, nope, they're going to go nope. on to the 51st anniversary next year, so it's a non-stop train. 
yeah, yeah, they're they're not going to slow down whatsoever. Uh, so that's that's coming up this week. We'll be reporting the best we can. Again, like I said, if you follow me, Mike, or uh, Superhero Slate uh, as a whole, we will be trying to cover as much as we can. But our review episode is really the biggest thing next week. Whenever we we recap that, it's always been our biggest one, and only one of us is traditionally gone. So uh, <laughs> I can't imagine how long it's going to be with both of us being there. And, oh yeah, and this uh, this uh, quote unquote studio that I record in is going to get very warm. <laughs> yeah, even with the AC blasting, it's so hot because we're both in one room at the same time. Mm-hmm. Fire emoji mm, lit. It's lit. Uh, we're excited because Marvel Studios is pretty much the main presenter at Hall H and Comic Con this year. Uh, uh-huh. But I've seen these things like, oh, there are these inactive Facebook pages that are like facebook.com slash The Eternals or Marvel's Black Widow. Uh-huh. I work in Facebook. That's my job. They don't, those means someone created that page a long time ago and have deleted it. Like they're not hiding these pages and to debut them at Comic Con. Like I could literally go create Marvel's Black Widow and then. If Disney was like, take this down, we own the rights, like it would say the same error. And I'm just like, uh-huh. these rumors are getting out of hand about <laughs> how these people are quote unquote finding back doors into this. Like, yeah, this, it's I, just ridiculous. Yeah, and I don't think you really need any sort of I don't think you need any more hints to to think that they might be talking about Black Widow in a couple yeah. of days because well yeah they are it's the next it's like the next movie coming out it's filming and they're going to be at Comic Con of course they're going to talk about it yeah exactly uh, it, it, we pretty much know every we can almost lay down almost every movie announced for Phase Four uh, and we've tried to do it several times uh, there may be one surprise in there but that's really about it at this point like we're mm-hmm. not really going to be totally blown away but if they show some footage and some casting announcements I'm really excited to to get into that um especially i think we're gonna get i think we're gonna see or at least hear about black widow footage this weekend mike mm-hmm. um and david harbour you know doing his, his press rounds for stranger things has come out and said he is not playing the thing from fantastic four and black widow and i have no idea where this rumor came from either because i get <laughs> online and all these things pop up and i'm like I, I didn't know I didn't know it was a rumor either, um, but I I do kind of like this backdoor idea of possibly introducing the Fantastic Four. In my mind, all of these like past months and years, I thought when they announced the Fantastic Four, when they bring them back into the MCU, it'll be all four of them, all in your face, Fantastic Four. But yeah, it could be a strategy maybe to introduce maybe the Thing first, or maybe they just get really good casting and they just really nail one of these four. It could be Invisible Woman, it could be the Torch, it could be Mister. Are fantastic. I don't know. Maybe they just nail the casting. This person is just amazing in front of the camera. So you get him in first, and then maybe at the end of the movie, he's just like, "I want to introduce you to my family" or something like that, and maybe that kicks off the next what? movie. So that that's a strategy I've never thought of. So that's interesting that somebody somehow created a rumor around David Harbor and the thing. Well, we we talked about it this weekend with somebody, and I was like, you know what? They don't need in the Fantastic Four anymore, Mike. What's An that? origin story. <laughs> because it worked for Spider-Man, it could definitely work for Fantastic Four. Just to skip them going to space and being hit by cosmic rays. Yeah, just yeah it's a it's a relatively easy origin story too. It's not something like Doctor Strange where you have to like where you have to introduce magic and all of these other like dimensions and sorcerers that have been around for years. Like these are just scientists that get blasted with some experiment. And in any iteration, you can just reinvent whatever the experiment is. It could be terrestrial. It could be up in space. They could be trying to use a dimensional, uh, you know, portal so, or whatever. So literally every <laughs> other movie they've made so far. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't <laughs> matter exactly how they get their powers or where it happens. Uh, but yeah, just uh, you, it could just be like they could. One of them could just say like in the third act, like oh. 
didn't you also hate that explosion that happened a couple years ago? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, we're in a whole new world, uh, you know, at post in uh, game, like, you know, anything could have happened in those five years and they could just say it happened or show a quick thing and not have to spend a whole movie telling us how they got their powers. And then they finally get a, a control on how to stretch and turn invisible by the end of it. Because, mm-hmm. God damn, have we seen that so many times? I just yeah. I just want I want to see a full fledged Mister Fantastic just freaking stretching all over the place. I want to see how uh, they they interpret that on the screen in the MCU because oh. nothing's quite that wacky yet. I mean, Ant Man gets a little wacky because he can change sizes, but that's just all about kind of like changing perspective. We haven't really seen somebody stretch like a literal cartoon character yet, so I'm really curious how that's going to play. Well, I also want to see him actually be like he is one of the most intelligent people in the world like mm-hmm. i want to see that portion of him too like he is creating solutions for problems only he's thought of so far i'm like mm-hmm. be, bring the scientist reed richards into this as well because that's that's going to be really key with the mm-hmm. um the the current state of the mcu going forward so correct let's do that but in the meantime one of the other movies that probably announced this weekend is actually the shang chi movie and we talked about it quite a bit uh, he is the the best martial artist in the world. Uh, so much he could take on Danny Rand, the Iron Fist, with his fist even glowing. And Shang Chi has no superpowers. He's just that good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are looking to cast an unknown actor for the title role. Uh, not, mm-hmm. not, no one we would know or someone that we would guess off the bat. But also they they are requiring Chinese ancestry ancestry in this actor, uh, and not looking for other Asian ancestry even being accepted for this role. Uh, that's like really trying to stick to it. That's awesome. And they, they obviously have the time and the resources and the money to make sure that this happens. I think this is a great opportunity for Marvel. because This is going to be the first time where we're going to be able to take these kind of like modern martial arts films and just pour money all over it. Because you have like these great films like The Raid and even like John Wick has brought these things into his movie, you know, being directed by stuntmen. Um, I feel like Shang-Chi, this is going to be the time where you can finally bring that stuff to the main stage in a real way with a big budget. Uh, you can just have all of this choreographed action uh, because you're going to need to sell that because, like you said, he doesn't have superpowers. So you're going to have to make him look like he is just mm-hmm. like the what is the best human fighter in existence look like? And we have to believe that he could go toe-to-toe possibly with somebody superpowered just because he's that good. So I, I'm really looking forward to see what happens when you just pour money all over that equation. It, does it get better or does it get worse? You well, know? And, and he is not where he doesn't wear a costume. He has no mask. He, you can't CGI this easily. I know it's possible to CGI humans, but like you can't like build an Iron Man suit around him and just have that do all the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that's going to be – they're going to have to really, really – I don't know, I guess front load this or like do a lot of, of pre-production work to make this work in the long run. And mm-hmm. that's, that's very exciting for the, for that role. I, I hope we see something out of that this weekend. I don't know. Um, crossing my fingers, buddy, crossing my fingers. But speaking of John wick, you, you mentioned right out the gate, Falcon and the winter soldier, the upcoming show on Disney plus has hired Derek Kolstad, who wrote John wick, uh, to work on the script alongside, uh, Malcolm Spellman, who has worked on the show empire. Uh, which is funny because Winter Soldier is kind of like that John Wick kind of character and um, the Falcon's more like a, someone you see on Empire. So, Yeah, I mean the John Wick movies don't have the most uh, intricate plots. They're usually pretty straightforward films. So uh, uh, I would assume uh, maybe that writing style might have to be a little bit more flexible because when you're 
telling like a longer story in a series. But at the same time, John Wick is kind of a series in itself. We're like three movies into it. Looks like there's going to be a fourth film and it's this overarching story. So maybe it would work out really, really well. I wonder if maybe he can get any uh, John John Wick uh, stunt coordinators in on this this, uh, show too. That'd be rad. Yeah, yeah. I think Derek Colson. I'm, I'm just double checking here. He has uh, written. Uh, he wrote the first two and then worked on the third one with multiple people. So uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's building that that world, that franchise. So uh, if if he's got to play bo- ball in here, I think I think uh, he's a good choice for that. I, I'm excited to see kind of what that is. I wonder if they like stole him before he got a chance to work on some sort of a John Wick, uh, you know, streaming series. Like, oh no, we're we're Marvel, we're Disney, we're, we got him first. So good for him. Yeah, isn't he? Isn't there like some sort of spinoff of that coming out of there? Am I just yeah. making that up? Maybe. Um, what are they? What's uh? Man, I can't believe I forgot the term. What's the term that they say the underground uh, organization is for John Wick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the underground organization for John Wick. Yeah, That's exactly I, I what don't. It's called. I don't remember. I, I, I honestly, for some reason, I can't remember what they're called. But they were thinking about making a show about that. Yeah. I'm sure that's still in the mix. That 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 world is getting so it's lush. The, it's so. the name of the hotel, isn't it? The Continental. There I think maybe that's what the show is going to be yeah. called. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. Well, there we go. Some some Falcon and Winter Soldier news. Maybe we'll see some of that this week. I don't know. I think Disney Plus is going to be saved for D23. Uh, and mm-hmm. also that's where they're going to debut some of the Mandalorian footage. Uh, sneak peek exclusive. We've seen that leak stuff. And that leak stuff, Mike... That blew yeah, me that, away. Looked, that looked really good. It looked very premium. Yeah, uh, and um, so D23, you'll see more of The Mandalorian, uh, but the rumored cost per episode for that show is about $15 million. Ooh, Did that man. feel like $15 million, though? I don't. I mean, we had we had to see it through a through like a camera phone, so I don't know. <laughs> like, there's no. There was, it was mostly just right. I guess the writing and the filming was pretty basic on that that episode. The action, I could see them in the CGI ballooning this up, um, but I mean, you know, like I said, they're they're looking to hit hard with this, and uh, like I said, rumor is that um, even uh, John Favreau is working on season two right now, writing the yeah. script. So. And- and the crazy thing about this $15 million is Game of Thrones, very, very expensive show. Um, it didn't. It got more expensive as the series went on, and once you got towards those last episodes in Game of Thrones, those were reaching $15 million. The Mandalorian is starting right out the gate at that, so it just shows you how serious Disney is about this series. Yeah, and, and especially if they're already be- uh, banking on season two. Uh, that's that's when you know they they've got the Star Wars just right, Mike. Mwah, chef's kiss, if you will, <laughs> for, for for me to John Favreau who worked on on Chef. Uh, one of the big things about Comic Cons are all the the merch and the toys uh, and the figures and the action stuff that gets debuted. And uh, one of our, the first things debuting from the Star Wars side of this through Hasbro is the Sith Trooper from the upcoming uh, Rise of Skywalker film. And this uh, Sith Trooper looks like something you buy at Target, to be completely honest with you. Uh, the, <laughs> the straight red uh, armor compared to the white armor and his uh, red highlighted uh, accessories here. It's 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 so funny how whenever a Stormtrooper gets a new colorway like uh, and it's debuted either on a toy or in like a screenshot for a film, people are always like, oh my god, look at this brand new thing, when it's really it's just a Stormtrooper in a different color. Yeah. Like, if you were to put yourself into the fictional world of Star Wars, all it takes is just one man dumping some paint in the plastic mold mix to change how the trooper looks, so it's, it's almost inconsequential to their universe, but we're just like, oh man, it's in a different color now, and it's canon yeah, well, um, it, have you ever seen the movie grandma's boy 
yeah. So it's like whenever the, he's like, hey, these, uh, these, uh, we just, just color swap these two uh, villains in different levels to show their higher power. It's it's just like that. Like, oh, he's stronger because he's red. The the basic ones are white. Uh, so when you're playing a video game, you always go for the different colored one to, to take him out first. But. Yeah, it looks like he's got different weapon weaponry with him. Like, he's got, like, two kind of blasters, but he's got, like, this big kind of rail gun, which is cool. It looks like he's got some sort of, like, grabby thing. And then, like, this kind of cool Billy Club sword deal. Well, so. I think those were handled by the um, – some of these were in – the uh, other one, that one on the left, bottom left, that's got the, like the fork, is the electric grabber they use in um, the Last Jedi, and the other one I think was used by the Praetorian Guards, the blade, the Billy Club thing. Mm. So it could be just an you know the next iteration of the Praetorian Guards. Well, I mean, but... all of those guards are dead now, yeah. so maybe the maybe these red troopers have to pick up the slack. Uh, I don't know. This is, seems to be possibly from the mind of J.J. Abrams since he's picking up the, this third film. But uh, not long after San Diego Comic Con, we are probably going to be getting a new Star Wars: uh, Rise of Skywalker. Is what it's called? Yeah, Rise I of believe. Skywalker. We're getting some. Push- I'm guessing D23, like we talked about last week. Like that's got to mm-hmm. be the star maybe, wars maybe we'll see this toy come to life in that trailer yeah you know they're gonna they're putting the toy mm-hmm. out they're gonna show us there's gonna be a scene maybe there's a chrome red one mike maybe <sighs> that's what it is wow they're just it's gonna they're just gonna put like a west coast comes customs like easter egg in the back because it's just pimp my ride for stormtroopers yeah, like you Stormtrooper. get like you get a bonus for like you know killing a killing a bunch of people for the empire and then they you get to chrome out your uniform yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there's only gonna be a couple of them because they can't hit anything anyway with their, mm-hmm. with their guns. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll see that in, in real life this weekend, and then uh, or next week we'll we'll take some photos of it. Pretty pretty stoked. Sherlock Holmes three is moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, the with Dexter Fletcher, the director of Rocket Man, the recent Elton John documentary, and he's signed on to direct the third installment uh, with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law to return. Um, when when is the last time that you have seen any of these um, Sherlock Holmes movies? Oh, uh, I actually own them both. Uh, so I watched the first one recently. Actually, when's the last time you've seen the second one? Uh, that one's been a longer minute. Yeah. So I had really fond memories of the first Sherlock Holmes movie. I remember really liking it, loving Robert Downey Jr.'s kind of like direction of the character and kind of bringing Sherlock Holmes to life. Um, but since then, I've seen uh, an amazing representation uh, by uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in a more modern setting, which I've really loved. So there's been a lot of really good Sherlock Holmeses out there. And then I remember seeing the second Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. And I last time I saw it was in theaters, so super long time ago. I don't remember much about it, but I remember not liking it as much because I think Moriarty what had previously already been portrayed in the BBC series so like I was getting maybe a second look at Moriarty if I remember right but I remember maybe not liking him as much in the film like he just wasn't as like masterful or conniving I don't really remember but I remember not liking the second one as much so it'll be kind of curious to possibly revisit these films because it's been so long you know Robert Downey Mm -hmm. Jr. is such a different person in my head now so it'll be fun seeing him return to a different role at least that he was very very popular in in the past well uh after Endgame his schedule really opened up so uh (laughs) uh, he's got some opportunity to make these movies and you know the first two were done by Guy Ritchie 
uh, and he just recently did Aladdin, and but so I I really wouldn't want him to come back. But you know, they can open this story up a little bit after the you know the BBC one's kind of I don't know if it's wrapped up or they're on hiatus or whatever that it's is. It's that weird like BBC schedule where you never really know when they might make another yeah. So <laughs> when they might make another episode with and with the what was it the Enola Holmes uh thing with Henry Cavill coming out like mm-hmm. it's, it's Sherlock's open territory again. So. Uh, yeah. At least if with with uh, these two Marvel stars now, Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law, like they can at least draw I, in with the names. I'd like to see them elevate the thing that they pioneered in the first uh, film, where they kind of do that time freeze and like Robert Downey Jr. analyzes the scene before he like makes his punch because he's doing all this like math in his head. Since these movies have come out, that scene's been parodied so much, I feel like. And also just uh, there's people have paid homage to it, and people have just straight up lifted it and put it in their films. I feel like they need to take a different direction or maybe just leave it out of the next film because it's almost going to be like, well, you're treading ground that's been so heavily treaded since the last time you made your movie. So I'd like to see them change that or elevate it in some way. But I think that's the only only criticisms I've got right now. Yeah, they, they both played the characters so well. It was really fun to see their chemistry on screen together. Together. So mm-hmm. they can keep that up. You know, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be, I'll be fine. I know you're a big fan of the Venom movie, um, yeah. uh, but uh, <laughs> it, it, whether this is good or bad, there is a quote unquote no timetable to make the second film per Amy Pascal. It looks like they might be not trying to hit that October goal next year. Uh, maybe working on it a little more, trying to go back to the drawing board to make it a, a better film. I know it made oh, a man. lot of money, but the reviews were kind of you yeah. know unkind. I, I was never, I honestly was never expecting to see it next year. Um, so I, I'm not too surprised here, but yeah, no, no, uh, no euphemism that I can't think of right here if it doesn't come out on time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no skin, yeah. no uh, dust off my chaps, will, no skin off my boots. I don't know. You won't be spitting venom if it doesn't come out next year. There you go. There it is. I found it. I found venom, it. venom. Yeah, exactly. He's got Eminem over there on the other side <laughs> on the mic. The streaming wars have uh, been upgraded a little bit. Uh, Ooh, they've been maxed out to the max. Exactly. HBO, or I guess Warner Media slash AT&T have announced HBO Max, which is their new streaming service. And we, we they've, we've always known they've been talking about this. Mike brings this up every week, every time we talk mm-hmm. about DC. Um, but apparently, the new uh, streaming service is HBO Max. It's got a it's got a logo. It's going to come out spring of next year. Uh, the channels and content on it are kind of impressive, to be completely honest, if mm-hmm. they have all of the stuff on it. Um, the biggest three I saw were Warner Brothers uh, movies and, and shows, DC Entertainment, Cartoon Network, and, of course, HBO. Yeah. There's just uh, so much to unpack here because this is the first time a streaming service has launched that's kind of bringing in all of these different properties. Like I know Disney is doing that a little bit, but we've every the public at least at the very very little bit knows that these properties were already owned by Disney at least in some aspect. Uh, but at Warner Media, you're just trying to figure out, okay, they own this. I didn't know that they had Turner. I didn't know they had Looney Tunes. Uh, apparently, Adult well, Swim is war- being ejected in here. Looney Tunes are literally have Warner Brothers at the end of every episode. <laughs> WB yeah. presents Looney Tunes. Like, but I, you I don't have, know how you missed that one. But you have to go through the chain of ownership. So at the very, very top, you have AT&T, which owns Warner Media. And Warner Media owns HBO. So the stra- streaming service is called HBO Max. So then you don't usually assume HBO yeah. is connected to Looney Tunes. So there's a whole lot of like corporate ladder climbing that you have to like connect to I, the streaming service. I think the only thing, the only reason they, they, I don't like, I don't like the name HBO Max. I think the only reason they went with HBO is because it's, 
you're already considered a premium service you have to pay extra for regardless of what it is, and I think that's the only reason they did this. But I hate the name, to be completely honest. <laughs> I'm 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 ambivalent to the name. I feel like they needed to use HBO in some aspects because that that's their main branding. HBO art is already kind of competing in the streaming landscape a little bit, not to the library catalog numbers, but when people think of streaming sites, I think every once in a while HBO does pop up in people's heads. So I think they have the brand recognition there. But I have three big questions when it comes to this announcement that have not really been answered and there's been some rumors and speculation um but the first one is is how is the price going to change so right now i don't know about you chris but i am an hbo go no hbo now subscriber you're a now i'm a go yeah which is basically go same catalog just kind of different ways into the service so that's what I have right now. So when this service launches and I'm watching HBO through my PlayStation 4, am I just going to turn on my PlayStation one day and the logo is just going to change from HBO uh, over to HBO you, Max? You didn't read the details, did you? Catalog? You didn't or, read the details. Of course I didn't read the details. I watched the sizzle reel. HBO stays the same. It, like nothing changes. Nothing individual ones. Are, like they're not even taking DC away. Like DC Universe will still stay standalone for now. HBO will still stand standalone for now. You subscribe to this new service that get you access to all these things at once. Yeah, so that's that's the big that's the big point that you just bring up there for now. How long does this happen? Like if you're competing on this big landscape with these uh with these big heavy hitters in the streaming wars, how long can you keep your service fractured? It's going to get pretty confusing, especially when you're talking to somebody out there that's not following all this news. Like if I tell somebody like, "Oh yeah, I'm watching this new streaming this new streaming show on HBO." They're going to be like, "Oh great, they're going to go home on their normal light version of HBO." And they're like, "I don't see that show anywhere." It's like, "Oh, well, I have HBO Max." actually but actually it's a it's actually a dc show so you don't have to have hbo if you want you could just get the dcu streaming app but actually the two of those priced together you might as well just cancel both of those and get hbo max it just gets very confusing and also i don't know how much hbo max is going to cost i don't know if you've seen the number out there but i i heard somebody i heard somebody like throw out maybe like 18 dollars. and the weird thing is is hbo is already kind of a at a premium price for like a smaller amount of content. They have premium content for sure that I think is worth the $15 a month. But I think at $15 a month, you can get 4K streaming on Netflix. But I think there's a $12 version for Netflix, if I am if I remember right. And also ad-free Hulu is $12. And uh, Disney Plus is going to be $8. So if HBO is like $18, I mean, you're going to have to have all these brand name logos in your sizzle reel to kind of push people towards that. I would love it if it stayed at $15. If me as, me as an HBO subscriber, I don't have to do anything and I just get more content, that would be great. But it sounds like that's not what's going to happen. Yeah, well, uh, see, I think the the problem with your thing is like, and you always, you always, and we've talked about this. If you streamline it down to everything just HBO Max, and you don't get the other ones anymore, and, and you have to get it, no one's going to get it. Like you have to keep the other ones because honestly, I'm not going to pay for HBO Max if it, they change any of my things. Like I'm not going to go for it. And honestly, there's not enough choices. Like I don't watch Friends. I'm not. I don't watch Fresh Prince or Pretty Little Liars. But if I have to pay HBO Max to watch something. I'm just going to download it illegally, to be completely honest. The, See, the less you have, the more piracy is going to go up. And I don't want that. I, I'd rather just have the, the, the standalone options. I can just get it for a month and go away. 
rather than and pay this for the is, big one. And this is why I think they should just keep the price the same because you know Disney Plus can charge more than $8 a month and they'll get subscribers, but they're pricing it low so they can bring in subscribers. I think that's what HBO needs to do. They need to keep it at the exact same price and then, and then tell everybody, guess what? If you have HBO already, you're about to get 10 times more content for the same price. Is Netflix doing that right now? No, I don't think so. Hey, guess what, everybody out there? If you don't have HBO yet, now you got to get it. If you were on the fence before, guess what? Look at all this new stuff that you're going to get because they're going to need to compete subscriber count. They're going to be battling Netflix and all of these other streaming services. Amazon Prime out there about to drop like the most expensive Lord of the Rings show that's ever existed. So uh, I think they should leave the price exactly the same. So who knows? Will your opinion change, Chris, if you don't have to pay any extra? If 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 it goes with it, I'll I'll roll with it. But I mean, I'm I'm someone who even canceled Netflix despite not just because I didn't watch anything. If I don't watch it, yeah, I'll cancel it. Like it's got to have content that I really want to watch for me to to subscribe to it. Mm. But well, I like speak- if, but to like it, just an example. I, since Westworld is at Hall H this, this Saturday, if I want to watch Westworld season three and I can only get it through HBO Max, not regular HBO. I'm not going to get either Ooh, of them. That would be a dirty move. That would yeah. be a dirty move to take it away. I can't imagine they would do that. Uh, but that brings me around to question number two is content. You watch this sizzle reel. It is nothing but logos. The logos go by so fast, you have to have the frame-by-frame extension for Chrome to go through the YouTube video to catch all of these different logos. It's crazy. So, and you don't just get show logos, you're getting network logos. The big one that I want to talk about right now is Adult Swim. There's just this little Adult Swim logo in this whole field of this logo garden. And I want to know what is the deal there. So we got to see the Aqua Teen Hunger Force logo pop up on its own, which I was like, well, that's going to make Chris happy. He, I'm sure you, you have them all already on a hard drive somewhere. So it's probably not a big deal. I even own the discs. Yeah, but I think it's pretty cool that, you know, yeah. Aqua Teen Hunger Force makes it on a sizzle reel for a streaming service. So I thought that was pretty cool that they're kind of thinking of people like you and me when they're talking about this service. So but then I see the Adult Swim logo and I was like, what does that mean? Like, because one thing that really bugs me about like Nickelodeon is they have no problem streaming their stuff on streaming services, but they put it out so little piecemeal. Like if you go on Amazon, you can only get the first two seasons of SpongeBob. You know, if I think on Verve, the streaming service, you can get a bolt-on for Nickelodeon, uh, but it's like 90s Nickelodeon, and you only get like a couple seasons of like Doug. You don't even get all of Doug, which is just so infuriating. So it's like if I get HBO Max, how much of Adult Swim am I going to get? Like, hey, Warner Media, are you actually going to go all in on this? And you're going to give me everything Adult Swim can legally put on the streaming service? Or are you just going to like piecemeal that crap out? Because that's going to be so annoying. Like if you're going to go whole hog on the streaming service, give me everything you legally can. Like your AT&T, you got the wallet. You know, you own Warner Media. You own these properties. Put them on here. Don't just like give me little curated lists of collections and stuff. I want it all. So that's my big question about content, Chris, is how much of these logos are we getting on this service, well, you know? And if I, I, I went through, because, I mean, I didn't look at the logos. I went to the press release where all the information is, and they listed all these out. Every one of these is owned by Warner Media. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see why they wouldn't have all of them on there, unless there's already a contract in place saying we're going to stream this somewhere else until 
it's done, and then it comes back. Yeah. Now, if once the contract expires, it comes, I'll you know I'll be okay. I'll be like, they have existing contracts. You know, it's it's a business. We'll wait till these things expire because it's annoying when I see like Cartoon Network or something tweet out like, oh, go stream this episode on our app. But if I download the app, I have to have a cable subscription. I have to log in through my cable provider. Knock all of that off. You know, I just want this streaming service one one monthly fee and just give me all the stuff. So uh, I'm really curious. We're probably not going to know that for a little while. So that's uh, that's question number two. And question number three. Oh, yeah, there's more questions. Which, which this is the last one, and this is what's going to dovetail into what we talk about on this show. It pertains to Batwoman. It pertains to Doom Patrol. It pertains to these Berlanti superhero shows. How is this stuff going to air on HBO Max. So uh, right now uh, they have all of these uh, they have all of these contracts with Netflix. So when the Flash season is done, the whole season comes to Netflix. All that stuff is going to expire, and then they say all the stuff is going to come to HBO Max. But when Batwoman starts airing in the fall. When am I going to be able to watch Batwoman episode one on HBO Max? I know HBO Max doesn't come until 2020, uh, but let's say theoretically it started in the fall, like at the same time as Batwoman, you know, because eventually it'll come around to season two of Batwoman and we'll be in this scenario. So when episode one airs, do I have to wait till the next day to watch it? Do I have to wait till the whole season's wrapped up, then it comes to HBO Max? Or are they going to do the Game of Thrones route where when it airs on broadcast TV, I can watch it at the exact same time on the app? That's what I want to know because uh, right now when we want to watch CW stuff, we have to open up like a Chrome browser window and we have to go to the CW website and we have to pull up a media player to watch this stuff. So I'm excited that we're getting the CW stuff on like a legit streaming service like without commercials. So that's what I want to know. How are they going to deal with the broadcast side of things and bringing it to the streaming app? My assumption is going to be it's going to be on a delay because they don't make any money without commercials. That's why HBO costs so much because you don't get commercials during your show. Um, and that's why you know you don't get any commercials really in between except for other HBO shows. So I guarantee you it'll be similar to the Netflix thing where it'll go all go all season, do the reruns. It'll still probably even be on the CW website app for commercials and then at the end of the season we'll all be on HBO Max. I mean, that might that might be a good educated guess, but I hope that's not the route they make. I think they need to kind of take this to a new generation of I want it now. So, of course, also, if you're paying like an extra, if I'm paying like close to $20 a month for HBO Max, I do not want to wait for anything. Well, then, you, then you're going to get commercials. Like, you literally, you can't take all these network shows that, that get money through commercials and advertising and just say, $18, here you go. Like, you Chris, can't do that on all of these things. I can and I will. <laughs> you, you won't. It won't happen. So, I, I mean, I think this will be a uh, an on-demand kind of thing, but it will, will be a delay on uh, quote-unquote live stuff. If, if they even have live stuff on there. Uh, Batwoman's interesting because it came from CBS first. How much do they have a say in all that, too? Uh-huh. So and that and it comes back around the Doom Patrol, which I think is what we really want to hit at real quick. Is we got the DC Universe app, a Doom Patrol original uh, that's airing on that app. I would assume uh, when an episode is uploaded to that service, it's also going to be available on HBO Max because they're probably uploaded to the exact same CDN server anyway. So you could get it on either app. But I think. Over time, HBO Max is just going to consolidate. You know, they're going to bring all of this stuff in under one house. Maybe they'll tweak the price. Maybe they'll find a way to absorb it all in. But it, it kind of seems weird to have like these little boutique kind of just streaming services out there. 
because at the very least, I feel like at some point in time, you're going to be watching like Doom Patrol on the DC streaming app and you're going to see the pre-roll. You're going to see an HBO Max original on it. They're probably not going to brand it maybe with DC Universe anymore. So uh, does this strike the death blow to the DC streaming app? I don't know. I think more than likely it'll just be folded into the service and we just won't see the name anymore, you know? I think DC was done before this was announced. I, I just don't think there was enough content to keep up with everything mm-hmm. uh, for that for that price point. I mean, it was what, seven or eight dollars a month still, and you're only getting like maybe a new show here or there a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think I don't I don't think it has anything to do with the max. But I think you know because I want I want to see the boutique things because otherwise I'm just not going to pay for the the, the whole yeah. package because they're going to drive the price up. But yeah, I just I think well I don't know. There's no I don't have a they canceled Swamp Thing after one episode. What's next? What, what yeah. like, literally was next for them? Uh, uh, Young I, Justice I, Outsiders Part 2 is airing right now, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Sounds like I'll be able to get that on HBO Max next year. Mm-hmm. You're going <laughs> to wait till next year. All right. Uh, All right. We'll see. Apparently, you uh, don't think... really want Young Justice back, like you said. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll 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 end it on this uh, on this uh, little sentiment because I, I thought about this a lot this week because I think about streaming a lot. Uh, it, the the best thing about all of this in general when it comes to streaming is there's no contracts, there's no commercials. If you're unhappy with anything that you're paying for, just cancel it. And if a new show comes back, just resubscribe. That's what people did all the time for HBO to begin with. People were doing that in the early days of Netflix, you know, for like um, for Orange is the New Black. That since when that was a big show, they would just resubscribe when that com- that comes back around. So I don't want to hear people complaining about wanting the salvation of the normal cable platform because the normal cable platform is out of date, it's archaic, and it's awful. And you have to deal with freaking cable companies, which are the worst companies on the planet. So stop wishing for the nostalgia days of cable where you had to sit through mind-numbing commercials and you had to wait until 8 p.m. to watch what you wanted to watch and then they barely got around to doing on-demand content when Netflix started threatening their livelihood so just if you don't like it you don't have to pay for it it's that easy or just pay for it for a month and then pay for another streaming service eventually who who is paying you to say this because streaming services are the new evil they are the new cable companies they're not as bright and shiny as you're making them out to be they're not evil they're not evil until they start forcing me to watch commercials I think it's a very direct relationship. I pay them a monthly service. They give me content. There's like, there's nothing else going on there. They're not trying to subliminally message a toy or like a, like a a Big Mac into my head. It's just a direct relationship. I pay them for the drugs. They give me the drugs untainted. So then why do you want a streaming service? Why don't you just buy the content directly from a a content provider like iTunes or Amazon? Because it's cheaper. It's cheaper. We're all, this is one big community uh, pooling in. It's just like, health insurance if you were just like paying a la carte for surgery it'd be super expensive but you get a big pool of people together to pay for this stuff and we get amazing things like lord of the rings tv shows or you know we get uh, all of this new cool stuff coming out so uh yeah they're not evil in my mind yet and if you don't like it you're not on a contract you don't have to pay for it so that's what i like about it so there you go hbo max uh they're corporate overlords Get off your soapbox. Let's talk about Netflix. All right. Uh, <laughs> so you want me to stop about streaming? Stop talking about streaming services and to talk about the next one, right? Because well, this I don't have a lot of information about this. I don't know if it's good or bad. But Zack Snyder is working with Netflix to executive produce a Norse mythology 
anime for streaming services. Whoa. Um, Jay Olivia, who is the storyboard writer, uh, artist for all most of Zack Snyder's movies, including 300, Watchmen, Batman v Superman, is the co-creator, showrunner, director, and executive producer of this show as well. So what wow. does Zack Snyder do other than put his name on it? Probably nothing at all. Um, but Norse mythology, other than what we know from comic books, which is totally off base, off what really Norse mythology is, uh, could be really awesome, but why go with the anime approach? Why not try something different? It's, I guess my question, I, I know anime is good for action and blood and all that other fun stuff, but I, I would like- assume it, I would assume it's from the, from the co-creators, uh, storyboard background. They probably have a love for animation and I would assume that just this Jay Olivia and Zack Snyder went and got coffee one day and they're like, Zack Snyder's like, well, my name has cachet in Hollywood still. Uh, do you want to use it to go make something? Like, oh, yeah, sure. I kind of want to do this, like, anime series with, like, North mythology. Like, that sounds cool. I'll put my name on it. Let's go set up a meeting with Netflix. I would assume it was probably as simple as that. Um, so if you haven't seen Castlevania out there, people, on Netflix, go watch it because it's so cool. It's written so well. The animation is so awesome, so action-driven. I think it could honestly be translated to live action with a bigger budget, and it would be just as good. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm all down for uh, Western-produced anime. Yeah, I'm maybe. I guess it depends on how the story goes. Um, but yeah, there's there's a some new animated stuff coming to coming to Netflix. Mike added this bit of news to our thing here. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen Shazam, uh, it's now available. You can go watch it. Uh, I think you, I think it's physical. I think you can rent it and it's digital. Yeah, uh, it's got it's got to be by now. That was earlier this but year. But one of the um, it was the same month as. Infinity War or Endgame, if, if you actually, um, if you haven't seen that, uh, you know it comes with a, some special extras, and one of these extras was on YouTube, uh, which Mike has shared. Where the director, I forget his name, um, breaks down um, how you know they, they you film something, it's not perfect right away. So, what do you do when you're problem solving either post production, during production, so on and so forth, and and even like you know when you write something on the script, it doesn't always translate to what really gets filmed because of limitations. So yeah, I, I just thought this video was just absolutely fantastic because the really cool thing about this director is he did kind of like indie horror movies before he got the big gig at Shazam. And when he was doing these smaller movies, he had his own YouTube channel, which I thought was really cool. So when he would kind of get higher budget movies, he was still posting stuff to YouTube. So I like he, how he was still really connected kind of to the internet and in this uh, little video he kind of puts in some little punches and jabs at cinema sins which usually just goes throughs and like nitpicks every movie whether they like it or not so uh he kind of put a dig at them kind of explaining like uh there's this fascinating moment in the movie where shazam is trying to learn how to fly and they achieve it in the movie by having a bunch of people basically in like green morph suits with like a green crane behind them lifting it up and he says like for months and months and months you're staring at this shot trying to paint out every green pixel and replace the background and you're so focused on that you totally forget that the crew is in the background at this mall and they're just standing there in a circle not paying attention to anything so you're worried that like oh no they look out of place so i thought their solution was actually really clever 
where they CG like shopping bags on them and stuff. So they look like they're like holiday shopping. So they fit in the environment. But then you might have a YouTube channel like CinemaSins come in and ding them for like, how come these people in the background, how come these extras aren't even trying to watch this uh, superhero trying to fly in the middle of their mall? CinemaSin, you've been dinged when he's just like, dude, I've been spending my entire career trying to paint out this like dude in the background of Shazam. I'm trying to make this man fly for you. So I liked that. But I think more importantly, on the back half of the video, he talks about how, well, we didn't have the younger actress here for that day, so we couldn't shoot her on the exterior shot of the house. So we had to explain why wasn't she on the outside of this house. And this is such an inconsequential scene, really. So they think so much about this. So we're like, okay, well, let's just make her a little slower. She's younger. She doesn't quite make it to the door on time, so she's still tying her shoes. So we'll explain it that way. And that works out pretty well. And then you have these people that make these YouTube sh- you- these YouTube videos where they just extremely analyze videos trying to find the inner meaning of Shazam and somebody might say like oh well isn't it funny how earlier in the film this younger girl was so slow at putting her shoes on and then at the end of the movie when she gets Shazamified all of a sudden her power is super super speed isn't that so great the filmmaker is so deep and then he kind of the director himself talks to the camera that says like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking, which that's the part I really appreciated because sometimes people are out there like analyzing these films, going way too far into it, pretending that they're looking at like these fine pieces of art and like these tortured souls, like cutting their ears off, painting these masterpieces when sometimes they're just trying to get through the day. They're just trying to make sure they get their shots in time so they don't go over budget and they don't get like dinged by the executive producers above them. So I just loved everything about this little video. So go check it out. It'll give you this whole new perspective and appreciation for like these movies that are coming out. So I I just, when I saw it, I just had to put it in the show this week. So Go check it out. The link is in the show notes. It doesn't make Shazam any better, but it's there. <laughs> I like Shazam. I don't know what Chris is talking about, so go watch Shazam. I liked mm-hmm. it. Don't listen to Chris. But you listen to me because Mike isn't thinking correctly. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> he might not have seen the same Shazam. Uh, the Suicide Squad is on its way with uh, James Gunn as director, and uh, they've cast actress Storm Reid, who was in A Wrinkle in Time, as Idris Elba's daughter. I only bring this up because Idris Elba, was supposedly supposed to replace Deadshot, and they're like, no, he's not replacing Deadshot, he's his own character. But Deadshot, as Will Smith, had his own little daughter in the movie, and it seems very, very similar here. Why do <laughs> they, they need repl- young daughters <laughs> to be parts of this movie? If they're not it's, playing- it's, it's almost like they're trying to replace the character of Deadshot without actually calling him Deadshot. Maybe there's some sort of like legal uh, Will Smith contract. It's like, uh-uh, if for some reason I fall off the face of the earth or I don't want to make another movie, you can't replace me with another black guy. I don't know. So I don't know. Maybe that's in the contract somewhere. But uh, who knows? Uh, interesting casting. Yeah. Uh, not not really. I don't think it's interesting casting. I think I think the story point is going to be the interesting well, part later. The, the interesting interesting casting story, I mean. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see if they do Deadshot again. Uh, Mortal Kombat is moving forward with a reboot of movie next Mortal year. Mortal Kombat! Uh, probably, just, they'll probably have a, a, a Skrillex remix. Always pops in my head. I can't, I, can't, I can't hear, the, just like hearing the word Max, I can't hear the word Mortal Kombat without shouting that in my head. Yep. Uh, actor Joe Taslim, who worked in the raid, so obviously he's got some karate skills, some some uh, parkour skills, if you will, has signed on to play Sub-Zero, uh, Ooh, fan favorite. sick. Uh, the movie will also feature fatalities and be R-rated. <laughs> We uh, I went over to uh, a friend's place a couple weeks ago. He had the new Mortal Kombat game, 
And we basically just went through for like an hour just trying to see every fatality of every character. And, oh, man, they're so great. They're so satisfying. I don't know any of the characters' names, but there's one character that has like some sort of bug power, some sort of woman that turns people into a bug, or maybe she turned into a bug. I don't remember exactly what happened. Or she is a bug and then also turns people into a bug. But there's this amazing fatality where she, like, I think they turned a person into a bug and then she, like, whips a person in half and like eats them or something and I was like this is amazing I was like freaking out on this couch going crazy so I would love to see that on the big screen that'd be amazing yeah everyone can be bugs uh, it can yeah. be like a real life uh, a real real gritty version of a bug's life uh, yeah. told, told in Mortal Kombat but there, yeah there's no way you can do these fatalities on PG-13 no no they, and they shouldn't they shouldn't even try so I'm glad they're going uh, going hard for that because I want to they didn't even have any I they may have had a couple in the other movies but like Nineties fatal? No, no, not even close. I want to see spines ripping out of people's bodies and then taking the spine and using it to whip other people in the face with it. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be gruesome. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be good. So, <laughs> Mortal Kombat next year. Now, if you haven't seen Stranger Things, this is the part where you get to turn off the episode, go away, watch Stranger Things, and come back, or just tune in to next week's Comic Con episode. I don't care. Uh, but we're gonna talk about Stranger Things season three that just came out uh, on July fourth on Netflix. Yeah, that's right. How long did it uh, take you to finish it, Chris? Uh, I finished it Thursday, so oh, okay. about a week. But we didn't watch it every day. Um, okay, so. so you didn't you didn't quite mainline it uh, like we did. So you you took a little bit more responsible approach to it. Yeah, I can't I can't I can't chug these movies uh, or TV <laughs> shows like that. So I really wanted to appreciate it, and you know this went from. Nine episodes last season, back down to eight. This so eight's very, very manageable, regardless. So we uh-huh. watched two, two a night. I think it took four, four days, two a night to to get uh-huh. through it. So yeah. Uh, now I, I I told you I told you in the group chat as soon as you finished Stranger Things, you had to let me know because we had to talk about this. Uh, so you're like the first soul uh, besides my wife that I think I'm really about to talk about Stranger Things with. So Chris. Please, please let me know your so- oh, thoughts on on season three. You don't have to go too crazy into it, um, but I believe overall you're positive. You were positive with the first two seasons, right? Well, I'm the. I am not precious to Stranger Things. I didn't get on it. When, I was like a year late when the, when I watched Stranger Things the first season. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's not like oh my god because I hated all the '80s references beat into me. And season three started off with even more '80s references. Ooh, beat they cranked the they cranked it to eleven on '80s. <laughs> like it's like it's like slapping me in the face with like you know Slurpees and, and New Coke. And they didn't have a conversation about New Coke in, in the, one of the later episodes. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think they they really upped their their. The terms of like the villain who was supposedly the villain in season two actually came to fruition in season three. Um, you know, I, some of the characters had really good arcs throughout the whole thing. Um, I, I really, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, yes, I enjoyed it. Uh, there's, there's a lot I, I like about. It. I can't think of a lot I didn't like about it, but that's just because you know, like, I'm, I'm not too like, I'm not picking this apart like probably some other people are. So um, I, I had a good time watching uh, season three of Stranger Things. Mike, how did you feel? Well, uh, I'll go ahead and put the spoiler warning. I'll pop it up right now just in case something uh, uh, ekes out of me here. Uh, but overall, I, I'm in love with all of these characters. All of these characters are uh, some of the, the best relationships I've seen forged uh, forged on a, a streaming show right now. And so I really love watching them interact with each other. I love it when they finally get around to coming together later in the season and they're all just like teaming up like, wait, you didn't know there was Russians? Yeah, this thing's back. So 
uh, it's just so fun to see them pal around. Um, they just they knocked it out of the park uh, casting these young kids because they've aged really well into their roles and they're still really good actors. So uh, I, I love all of these characters, but I thought the season. Um, the season this year was a little rough. Like I didn't really know what they wanted to do or where it was going. It seemed like they were trying to evolve possibly what the show could be, but it's really not like it was anymore in season one. And I just really enjoyed the vibe of season one had that really dark, mysterious kind of teetering on like horror. Uh, and this year it's just very goofy. Like there get, it gets to the point when you get to the Russians in the, in the, in the base below. And they're basically cartoon characters. Like they're very much aping on the eighties, um, on the eighties interpretation of like Cold War or Russian bad guys, and one of them literally, basically, is the Terminator. Which I know Arnold Schwarzenegger is not Russian, but they just kind of looped him in with the Russians anyway. Uh, like the torture doctor, he's like dressed exactly like how you would draw a cartoon character with like the menacing glasses and like the trench coat. And then they do, uh, they do even dumb bad guy stuff like leaving the two kids in the room together while they leave and then they come back later you know giving them just enough time to attempt to escape so it seemed like they were trying to pay homage to a lot of stuff and sometimes they were just directly lifting things so sometimes i don't know if it if it really felt like they were celebrating 80s or they're just like no let's just straight up do it because we can't think of anything else um so that was kind of a weird tone for me to settle with and uh I think just the Russian subplot is what got me really confused because I was really digging the upside down. I love the mystery of the monsters. And when they would bring in these like um, these kind of anonymous science organizations, you didn't really know who they were or what they wanted. And it was like mysterious, like what's their global plan? And then you just bring in these Russians that they're like, yep, we just want the monster. Uh, we just want to go ahead and we want to use it for bad Russian things. And just when you think this whole Russian subplot is wrapped up, we're going to give you a little post-credit sting to be like, stay tuned for season four to see more Russians. So I just don't know why they're involved in the story so heavily. It just seems like a very weird turn well, to take. I'm you know? gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I think you just oversimplified it. Like they don't tell you what the Russians want. They don't even know what they want. They're just trying to open up this to the other door. But I don't think they know what's on the other side even. And that's what next season will be. The end of this will be like. The, I think season four, they said the last season, will be like, why these holes are opening, why does the Upside Down exist, and why the Russians are involved, I think will all be answered next season. Because I, yeah. think, I think season two, I enjoyed season two, but like the villain of season two, the, the Mind Flayer, was essentially finally, like I said, fully realized this season. Because I was more confused about him last season. Like he's just kind of in the Upside Down, but no one was really in the Upside Down last season. That Whatever that dimension is. So I think, I think yeah. next season will answer all those questions about why the Russians are involved, why they're here, what 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 the whole purpose of this all is when they wrap it up. I, I hope it's satisfying, whatever uh, whatever the Duffer Brothers have come up with, because right now I'm just on the fence about it, but like I said, I really love the cast, so I'm, I'm just going to keep watching it just for them, because I, I just love watching. Uh, but they, I think they really need to find a way to break this mold that literally every season has taken, where the show opens up, there's a mystery, all of the cast breaks up into their little groups and they all start solving this own little puzzle of the mystery. Then they all come together towards the back half uh, of the season and they put all their puzzle pieces together and then they solve the problem. Uh, like I, It's just so telegraphed now in this season. I just saw it coming from a mile away. So I just wanted it to happen already because I wanted Dustin to be with his friends again because I love that guy so much. 
Um, so I hope they kind of break the mold a little bit in this next season and go in a little different direction. Um, uh, man, Billy, uh, B- Billy really got the shaft this season. <laughs> he, uh, he was a cool villain, uh, but I kind of liked him more as a human villain because he was such a scary bully. You know, I just, uh, he just had like this wild cardness to him that even when he wasn't being mind controlled, I could totally see him just like literally knifing one of these kids. He just seemed that psychotic. So then when the mind flayer took over his mind, I was just kind of like, oh man, can't he just kind of act on his own accord maybe? I feel like maybe I'd dig him a little bit more. And then when he went on his like redemption arc, I was like, is, is he really redeemable right now? Or is he really trying to save his uh, sister and all of these humans? Or is he just really pissed off at the mind flayer and just trying to get one over on him? I, I, I don't know. Uh, but I love that actor that plays Billy. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of people are pushing for this guy to possibly be the new Wolverine. I think maybe he could pull it off. I guess. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I have no real... I have no... This, this conversation is not for me, so I don't know. <laughs> I really don't care about Stranger Things at the end of the day. Uh, I've just seen it. So I also, I think I also disagree a lot with what you're saying because when you binge watch the show, I think you're missing all these subtle points that the show had. Like, they, they build up Billy. Yes, he was a mean person in the last one, but he did have some human side to it. Like, he was acting out against his dad. In this one, you get to see, like, he really was a, a, a nice kid and he had to care for his mom, and then, you know, I, I guess the mom was killed, and his dad remarried, and that's why the new sister, like, you, you see he's an evil, he, he wasn't evil, he was a mean person, because he was raised that way, he wasn't really an evil, want to kill people thing, he was just mean, and an asshole, like, he didn't really want to kill anybody, like, I, I think you've missed a lot of this by, by literally chugging the show in one day, and not seeing the, the progression over time. Well, that ain't my fault because they release them all eight episodes. <laughs> I think the majority of the people just mainlined them. Uh, but like I said, I, I'm still a fan of the show. I'm still going to watch uh, the next one. But uh, I think the Duffer Brothers just need to kind of get a handle on it because I'm starting to get that feeling that you had with uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens when you were saying J.J. Uh, Abrams just kind of built up all the stuff and didn't really know where he wanted to go or where he wanted to take it and just uh, Ryan Johnson kind of had to pick up the pieces. I'm almost starting to get that feeling over here with the Duffer Brothers where they're just kind of like, uh, I don't know, uh, let's just have these Russians come in and see what happens. So uh, I, let's hope it doesn't end up going that way. We obviously never want shows to end up being bad, but uh, I would assume that you agree with me about the fate of Hopper. I can't imagine anyone actually thinking that he's dead for sure. Like it's just It just seems so obvious that he's going to come back in some shape or form. Uh, I don't know. I honestly would just like, I, I, I hope he is dead. I think that would be like actually more of a surprise. No, there's, there's no way he's dead. There's no way you take this uh, major character that everybody has fallen in love with the show. And you can of course kill him if you want, but if you're going to kill him, you're not going to do it ambiguously, like off screen. You're going to like see the character vaporize, or you're actually going to see him keel over and die. Uh, it's just, it would just be so weird to do that to your audience of not giving them the, not giving them the closure of actually seeing this major character die. So uh, there's dimensions. There was a portal rift. He definitely jumped in there or something like that. We haven't seen the last of David Harbour. Uh, he's not going to be busy filming a second Hellboy movie, so he's going to have time so, to jump in there and do another season of Stranger so Things. So you'll think he'll be in Stranger Things season four? Oh, absolutely. And you think they, I mean, they've planned this out? 
I mean, I would put money. So, on. I mean, so, so you think at out. the same time they've not planned season four and planned season four? Hey, I mean, come on. If you think J.J. Abrams wasn't planning out uh, the next movies, you can just assume usually that these very popular actors are going to make it into the next movie or the next installment of the franchise. I mean, the Duffer Brothers can have like maybe not a very good handle on the plot, but know that uh, David Harbour is going to be coming back. I mean, that dude's a star. Uh-huh. I think they have more of a handle going into season four than they did season two. Um, simply because I don't think they expected the popularity and the pressure. We've had a year and a half. Well, over a year and a half? Because all these released on Halloween beforehand, right? Yeah, and I this mean, was it, the first, fourth, uh, first non-Halloween A little season. over a year and a half. Yeah, I hope I don't have to wait that long for the next season. I mean, I understand it's hard and taxing to make these shows, but uh, give me the next one next year in July. I want it already. Well, I think the, I mean, the actors, I mean, David Harbour's filming Black Widow, the, the one main kid, Finn Wolfhard's doing Ghostbusters 2020. I think it's just working schedules around these people as they become popular is going to be the hardest part to, yep, that's true. to when the next one comes out, but... They say the next one's the last one, and you know if they know that ahead of time, they can actually end it uh, on their own terms. Rather, because I would hate a, a cliffhanger ending, you know, and then they just cancel it. They'd be the oh, worst. That would, Netflix would never let that. I think this is this is the premium. This is the show for Netflix. Like if you had to distill this entire streaming service down to one show, it would probably be Stranger Things. They're going to let the Duffer Brothers do whatever they want. I wouldn't be surprised if we got Stranger Things uh, spinoffs. Maybe with possibly other directors oh, or showrunners. We could have the yeah, man, give me a Scoops Troop show. I'd love that. Also, the character who played uh, Robin—that's uh-huh. uh, Uma Thurman's daughter. Oh my God! Yeah, and um, her dad is Ethan also Hawk. Um, Ethan Hawke. My, I kind of had like a mind blown moment when I just like came across that realization earlier this week. I was like, "What?" But- Which kind of uh, took the mystique from her character away uh, or her, the actress because I looked her up on IMDb because I was like man she looks familiar little did I know she looked familiar because she looks like the exact combination of her parents that's why she, she looked familiar to me it was her voice she talks like her mom does in Pulp Fiction oh uh, okay I'll have to maybe check out a so clip go back uh, to the, the scene uh, when they're sideways and the chairs tied together uh, okay when she's talking about uh, <laughs> reminiscing back in school that scene I'll I'll have to do that. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was it was funny because I looked her up on IMDb. I was like, oh man, this is her first real big role. Man, congratulations to this uh, to this to this young actress who finally has her breakout role. You know, I think she's going places. Uh, little did I know she was always going to be going places because she is the kid of two very very famous and successful uh, actors. So she's uh, uh, she's in Tarantino's <laughs> new film later this summer as well. Uh, oh, cool! In, uh, the, whatever, uh, the Hollywood yeah, one. Yeah, I forgot what it's. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, which, which again, her mom was in Tarantino films in the 90s. Kill Bill, yeah. Pulp Fiction, so hey. on so Man, I, I wasn't expecting our Stranger Things uh, topic to get so heated. I think we're going to have to do this again for season four. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're going to you're gonna have to keep watching it, Chris. I'm going to keep dragging you down to the upside I, down I, with me. I think it's just one of those things. Again, at the end of the day, it's not Stranger Things. I think it's the way we, you can, we consume media determines the if you catch all the little details or not. And I've... I, I feel like I really enjoy Stranger Things season three more because I was like not cranking through it and I was able to like sit and digest two episodes until the next day and like okay and think about it and then anticipate the next one I I, I really do miss uh, little releases like that because I, I, I do not necessarily the cable network but like what was it um 
That's what DC Universe does it with uh, their shows. They do one a week mm-hmm. or whatever. So yeah, I would I wouldn't mind Stranger Things necessarily uh, one a week, but if they give me the option, I have no self control. I'm not going to be able to make that happen. I can't survive eight weeks uh, with possible spoilers out there in the world. Uh, but I guess stay tuned, stay subscribed to Superhero Slate to see our little mini uh, reviews of uh, Stranger Things whenever the next one comes out. Nope, and don't do at it. the end Unsubscribe. of the show. Unsubscribe. Don't don't. Let <laughs> nope, Chris, we're doing it. You can't you can't make me. Oh, I could not watch it. This is very easy to do that. But anyway, Mike, uh, that's it for our episode. We got. I gotta go pack. I gotta go do all my stuff still and, and get ready for this weekend. If people want to see your trip. Your experience at San Diego Comic-Con, where can they find you at? It is very easy. All you have to do is follow me on Twitter, and you can follow me on Instagram at Mike Royer Design. Uh, so check that out. Chris, if people want to catch up with you at the con, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, Valdan, V-A-L-D-A-N, or Instagram, Valdan87. Uh, I'm going to be taking all the photos I can because I don't know what to expect and I want to share this experience with everybody else out there. Uh, if people want to know more about our review episode and maybe to see the stuff we do on the main account, where can they find that at? All you got to do is visit superheroslate.com. It's a dot .com. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Anywhere else you get your podcast goodness, and you can check out our show notes there too. So if you want to see that clip from Shazam, if you want to see that uh, debut for HBO Max, uh, if you want to see the Sith Trooper, uh, you got we got that all neatly organized in our show notes at superheroslate.com. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and you can follow us on Instagram. Get those links over there on the website, and you can get merch at superheroslate.com/store. We got mer- new merch up on there. You should go check it out. Superheroslate.com/store. We obviously, of course, love hearing from you. Mm-hmm. Make sure you re- reach out to tell us what you're watching, what you want us to watch, uh, what you want us to check out at Comic-Con for you. Uh, is there something that you specifically want us to talk about on the show next week? Uh, let us know. We will be paying attention. We will be out there loving every minute of it, baby. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> yeah, we, we we love uh, we love uh, your thoughts. Uh, let us know what you thought of Stranger Things. Are you more of a Chris on Stranger Things season three? Or are you more of a Mike on Stranger Things season three? Uh, let us know and uh, make sure you're subscribed. We love getting your reviews over there on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. That's really helpful for us. Reviewing the podcast is great. It'll make us your best friend and make us um, best friends to us. So if you want to be a super fan of the show, all you got to do is share the show with a friend, share the show with a buddy, and stay tuned. It's coming. It's coming. All right. Next week, baby. All right, Kramer, calm down. We'll see you guys next week. (laughs) All right, bye. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Hot mics. Hot mics. Mics are hot. I know you are.